Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz coming at you. And what a week, Sleaze, we had at the Wells Fargo. First of all, we were out there getting amongst it with all of our boys. Filmed a lot of interviews, which is going to be really exciting. They're going to be coming up in the near future. But Roy McIlroy with an impressive victory, ended a nice little drought, and put on a clinic around Quail Hollow Club. Yeah, it was clinical. I mean, when you look at his stats, he was top three in driving distance, greens and regs, scrambling, and strokes gained putting. So not much more than that. When Rory puts all that together, he's going to be tough to beat. But, uh, yeah, it had been about a year and a half since he would got it done, and now we can finally put to bed all the Rory talk. What's wrong with Rory? What's the matter? He dropped a 15th in the world, blah, blah, all that. All it takes is one week. He's back, and now he's the betting favorite at the PGA Championship in Q here in a few weeks. So pretty much that's how quickly things can change in this world. Yeah, things change very, very quickly. But, you know, he's been working with Pete Cowan the last couple months. Seemed to have things kind of straightened out a little bit. I mean, got the, was good enough to win around Quail Hollow. His third victory around there, the only place he's ever done that. So, awesome job by Rory McIlroy to pick up his 19th PGA Tour win. And, Slays, before we get to our guest this week, some cool things have been happening. Well, it's, <laughs> it's cool for us. I'm not sure if it's very cool for our guy Adam Thielen. But some comments he made here on Golf Subpar have been uh, have made the news. And some people, particularly up in Green Bay, aren't very happy about it. Yeah, I mean, I woke up, I guess it started happening last night, and then I woke up to a bunch more messages like, dude, your boy Thielen, it's all blowing up about Lambo. I was like, what are you talking about? And then all of a sudden I looked on my social, and it was basically, Colt, like his response to the question was, what's your favorite road environment or something along those lines, right? And he immediately said Lambo, clearly because of the Packer-Viking rivalry and things like that. But they cut off the clip that was taken. They cut off the beginning of his quote where it said, Lambo's my favorite road place to play. But then he went on to say, the stadium is not nice. There's nothing fancy about it like it's bleacher seats. And that was the quote that they took and put it up there. And Packer fans are going ham over this stuff right now, which I don't know about you, Colt. Like, I've never played Lambo. You never played Lambo. But we got a bunch of friends that have. I don't know what about that quote you could get upset about. I think Packer fans themselves would agree with that. Lambo isn't fancy. It's not Jerry World. You don't have all the bells and whistles. So I don't know what the what the uproar is about. Well, I just think they read that quote that they the piece they took and it makes it sound like he's hating all over it, you know, because he's a Viking and they have the huge rivalry with the Green Bay Packers, but he was not insulting it. I mean, it's great for us because it's getting out there in the news, you know. I mean, we've had, he was on Pat McAfee explaining himself uh yesterday. You know, it's been on Bleacher Report. I know NFL Live has, looked, has, has picked it up. So good for our brand. I'm, I feel bad for our guy, Adam Thielen, having to answer these ridiculous questions. But like I said, hey, our name's getting out there more. So thank thank you for taking one for the team, Adam. Thank you, Adam. Uh, yeah, and I was actually just texting with him. He is my brother. He's clearly my twin brother. So I got to defend him. He's blood. But I was just texting with him. I was like, dude, sorry. I had no idea like this shit would go this crazy like that. He's like, dude, don't worry about it. It's all, it's all good. Things like that. He's like, NFL fans are crazy. They're passionate. I totally get it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was, um, it was wild to see how much, how much steam that's gotten with, uh, Adam Thielen and that quote Lambeau field. I love it. Watch what you say Pat about McAfee. the place. Yeah. Pat McAfee, if you want to come on golf sub part, we'd love to have you. Yeah. Holler at us. To sit down and talk with you. All right. Well, let's get to the man of the hour. Our guy, Canadian Graham Dillette, is this week's guest on Golf Subpar. And uh, it does not disappoint, to say the least. No, dude, this is one of the best guys in golf. I feel like we get redundant saying that, but I truly mean it. You're very close with him. I've spent a ton of time with him before he was Graham Dillette, before he was President's Cup player and all that stuff. And it's been really cool to watch his progress and not a better guy, not only on the golf course, but also sit down and have a beer with. Uh, I think people will love this interview. Yep. He, uh, he holds nothing back. Here he is, Graham Dillette on Golf Subpar. 
All right, we got the pride of Weyburn, Saskatchewan with us here tonight. PJ Tour vet, Olympian, President's Cupper, pilot, barbecue wizard, man of many talents, the great Graham Dillette is here. How are we doing? Pleasure to be here, fellas. God, it's wow. good to see Listen you. Listen to every episode. We have been waiting on this every for a very long time. Good to see you again, dude. We had to do it live. Uh, yeah, we did. I, I agree with you on that. You moved away from us. You, you left Whisperock. You left Scottsdale. You go back to Boise. And we said we weren't going to do it until you came back. But you're here for the member guest at Whisperock mm-hmm. with your man, the wizard, Ray Whitney. The wizard. Cannot wait. This My is enemy. Be a lot of fun. Your enemy. Sleeping with the enemy. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard he shot two under today, so I'm pretty excited about the next few days. Yeah, he's not a bad partner to have. A little, a little bastard. But let's let's learn a little bit bastard. about Graham Dillette for the people out there that don't know, because obviously you grew up in Canada, and hockey was your number one dream, correct? Always. Yeah. So what the hell? Why'd you pick up golf? Well, I wasn't good enough at <laughs> hockey, unfortunately. <laughs> good look, reason. <laughs> look at Drew. Look at our legs, man. These are not hockey You're legs. The first guest on the show with the same size, <laughs> if not smaller, legs than mine. We should get the Touch tape me. out. We should. Oh. We have to do a little calf contest because you got the little Canada flag on the on the calf. We should do a calf. I don't know contest. if I can fit the American flag on mine. <laughs> if I was gonna mimic that, be close. not the full flag. You get yeah. like forty six stars on. Yeah, that. we'd have to just shrink shrink the country a little bit. Okay, we can do that after the show, no doubt. That'd be great. <laughs> but what what age did you give up hockey? How uh, you- I played through high school, so I was like eighteen, and that's that's like the first time I actually I hurt my back because I always I was gonna play like junior aid like in my uh, hometown or whatever, and just because that's what you kind of did, and then if you weren't good enough to go any further than that, whether it's U.S. college or whatever, then you just get a job and mostly in the oil field, like where I grew up. And, uh, but then I hurt my back playing hockey and that's when my dad was basically like, Hey, you've always been a pretty good golfer. Maybe we should look that way. Oh, so you still played golf the whole time you were playing hockey though. Yeah. So like it was basically perfect. Like when, where I grew up, it was like six months of hockey and just as hockey season was ending, it was kind of like that May time and like the snow was all melted. It was time to play golf. <clears throat> and then as soon as, you know, the you know, the weather started to change and the fall was here and you're kind of sick of playing golf. Boom. Hockey season started up. So it was like just kind of perfect. And I, like, I, I, I really think that that was like a big thing for me was like, I always played two sports. I played a little bit of volleyball and stuff like that in high school, but, um, it was, I was never like so into golf and like, in all, in all honesty, like I didn't get good at golf until I was into my twenties for, for the most part. You're pretty good at Boise. You won 10 I mean, times. How would you get to Boise? Like, if you're playing two sports all throughout, you're probably not playing all the AJGAs and the stuff the kids do now to get looked at. How'd you get a look from Boise? Yeah, honestly, like, we hired, like, uh, my dad, I say we, but he, we hired, like, a uh, uh, college, like, placement service. We sent up, I sent my resume to him, and he basically sent it out across to all the uh, colleges in the U.S. And I got a couple small bites and Boise State was big. Basically, it was like the best offer financially that we had. I mean, my family was we were we we did pretty well or whatever. But, uh, you know, at that point in time, the, the U.S. dollar was like 65 or the Canadian dollar was like 65 cents to the U.S. dollar. So everything I go to McDonald's, to get a Big Mac. My dad would check the bank account and be like, dude, what did you get at McDonald's? That was like $17 <laughs> Canadian or whatever. So um, so we, I basically I didn't even go on a uh, recruiting trip there just. You know, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. We'll give it a whirl. And obviously it worked out great. I mean, I, I live there now full time. Uh, I met my wife there. It's just, it's such a great city. It's booming right now. And uh, I couldn't be happy. Although I do wish I still spent a little more, more time here in the winter. But uh, yeah, but Boise, sneaky everyone. good downtown though. Great town. Oh my gosh. I've had a lot of fun there. A little it's too a much great, fun sometimes. great town. It's exploding though right now. I think places. Were you a big, up. were you big into like going to every football game? You know, get the blue turf. And every, everything? every game that we were, you know, when I was at school, every home game we went. And then even like to this day, like if I'm around uh, for a home game, I still like to go. Yeah. So you're on the front end of Boise getting like 
becoming the Boise State. Right when I came, it, it was actually crazy. And I t- tell DA, so because Oregon State came to town um, and uh, we uh, like absolutely smoked them. They were up like 14 nothing. I think we ended up beating them like 45-14. That's when DA was quarterback at Oregon State. And that was like <laughs> one of the first games that I saw. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And we lost like two home games, maybe only, only one actually in like the whole time that I uh, was actually at school. And it was the same time you were at TCU and we were kind of like the little engines that could in the NCAA or whatever. Obviously now you guys are in the Big 12 and we're still kind of like stuck in a rut just trying to get you know, to the next place, but hopefully that happens for us. Yeah, and then they threw us in the BCS the one year. It's like, and oh, here, smoke, we're both yeah. un- unbeaten. Throw the kiddies table over here. That I remember cool. having yeah. a few cocktails at that Might Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and running out of the stadium going, TC who? TC who? That's good. Like That's that. good. Yeah, like dude, that. Vincent never heard it. Never <laughs> yeah, heard it. That is fantastic. What What year were you in school when Mike Weir won the Masters? That was 03. So I was at Pocatello, Idaho State Golf Tournament, uh, in Blackfoot, actually, Blackfoot, Idaho when that all happened and I came in he had just made the putt on the 72nd hole to go to the uh playoff and uh yeah that was like so you didn't get to see the whole day no that was I mean I've seen the replays and everything since but live no and like I remember finishing um and just running straight in my dad was actually there ironically it was like the crazy and like we were like there's like him and one of his buddies came down we're like three Canadians in there we're like screaming and all these other kids in the teams are like looking at us like what the hell is going on like why are you guys so active but yeah, that was a that was a big moment, you know, in Canadian golf. I was going to say, explain how big that was for Canada. Huge, not only just for golf or just for sport, but just like uh, just in general for like humanity. I mean, like he's an absolute legend in Canada and always will be. I mean, he's you name it, he's basically he can do anything he wants in Canada. Like, I mean, he if he wants to drop the puck at the Maple Leafs game, he can do that. If he wants to. Uh, you know, the green jacket is basically a golden ticket to go anywhere you want to go in Canada, at least for one year. And uh, yeah, man, he earned it. He's I mean, he was number three in the world yeah. and he was one of the main reasons why, you I was, know, I got to where I got to. There's a lot of young Canadians on tour now, and I'm, I would imagine Mike Weir is the reason why. For Maybe. sure. And like the only guy that I don't really know that well, who's really playing the best right now is Corey Connors. I mean, I'd know him to say hello, but uh, you know, right when I first initially got hurt kind of at the end of 2017, it was right when he came on tour. So I don't know him super well, but uh, I know like for like myself and Adam and David, um, Nick, Taylor. Uh, Nick Taylor, Mackenzie Hughes, like I know because I've spoken with him about it, that he's the reason why we all chase the dream. Uh, and like, not that we wouldn't have anyways, but he gave us the belief that we could do it. Yeah. He's like the, like a lot of the reason you talked to some of the young guys that are up there now, Tiger in 97 at the masters, right. like that's when golf became cool. That's when mm-hmm. we started to do it. Guys that could play other sports all of a sudden went to golf and like for, for Canadians, it's kind of like they all can remember that Mike Weir Masters. And like, that's when, oh, golf became a reality in Canada for a lot of these guys. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like at that point in time, I was starting to play pretty good golf. I was in my senior year or no, no I graduated in 06. So that was 03. <laughs> Sophomore. Yeah. Boise State I didn't math. go to school that much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a funny story. I got a, I, I had to, so I, I got my degree, but I, so I got a phys ed degree. Pretty much was just trying to get the. Solid. Easiest degree, yeah. yeah. Communication seemed a little tough, so I went the PE route. But, um, but I was one credit shy because like we always played golf, you know, like every afternoon, like one o'clock or whatever it was. And there was a track and field class that I hadn't passed, but I just kept like pushing it away and not taking it. It was like a one credit class. It was like a twelve week or four week class or whatever. Never took it because it was always you know Wednesday afternoon when we played golf or whatever. So then it ended up I was one credit shy of graduating, and my coach lobbied to the university saying, Hey man, like this hurts our, what's it called? Uh, there's like a, 
Like the, the team GPA? Graduation oh, the, rate. Yeah, the graduation rate. rate. There's yeah. like a word for it, APR or something like that. But it's like, this hurts our rate, but he's turning pro and like, he's not going to come back to do a track and field class next fall. So I, I did like, either. <laughs> so they gave me an option in like the May of 2006, right after I had finished school to, I did a social dance class for three weeks. So it was like three times a week, got my social dance, got my last credit. They just made that my track and field credit and graduated. Any wow. video of that? You in the social <laughs> dance class? Uh, there's usually video. I, I think we had some video from your wedding. Oh, dance. yeah. Oh. There was performances. <laughs> well, Andre some stole that show. Oh That's a story God. for another time. I don't know why. I listened to that story when he was when he was when he was telling you guys that man. I was just laughing. I'm like, I remember that sound of that. His head. It was legitimate scary. I was yeah. out there and oh, the, yeah. the dance floor was like a skating rink at that point because <laughs> all the drinks being spilled and people going crazy. And he came running out first time after you go say hi to everyone and just nothing hit for his feet went out and the first thing that hit was the back of his head. And I was like, I legit like yeah, this it was might scary. actually be a problem. problem. Yeah. Hey, I, so I'm watching The Wire right now. Have you guys watched oh. that show from? So yeah, that's where greatest. the cutting the tie thing comes from, I think. They do that. In that like the, yeah, when he got you. Yeah. When you I, your first I, case I didn't know whatever. that, but I yeah. just like hit that episode. Yeah, like, he whatever. snatched Colt's tie and yeah. cut it off. Tied around, so like, around his head. Wore <laughs> around his head. What a nice like guy. Like Rambo. Amazing. Yeah. He didn't have a great... You're the only dude at that wedding that played good the next week. You played yeah. good. I should have won. Yeah, you could have won. Missed the... Missed the hole from like three feet, like six different times on Sunday. Andres did not come close to winning. <laughs> I think Andres set the he highest last by a long thirty-six shot. hole record on oh. tour. Uh, let's, I mean, after Boise State, you turned pro, and I've heard some of your most fun times as a pro golfer were right out of school, Canadian tour. I didn't, I didn't actually even know you played in South Africa on the Sunshine mm-hmm. Tour. Yeah, tell us a little bit. Give us some that fun whole, stories. Honestly, like. I tell people like even like yourself like you never played mini tours um like those were the most fun times in my life and like you ask pretty much everyone like i i feel like you appreciate the pga tour more when you get there because you've lived you've lived like a broke life for basically three years but like the 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 camaraderie on that tour compared the pga tour that's where you want to be, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know what else is, ma- is fun is making millions of dollars. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. There's different, no question. Different types of fun. But like, man, like me, James Love and Bear Jarosh, for the most part, sprinkling Drew here and there and Mike Maisie and JC Deacon, Pete Laws and some of those guys, Andrew Parr. But we traveled together and like, you know, three or four of us in a rental car and uh, three guys in a room, high guys sleeping on the floor between the mattresses and uh, just crushing beers at Crushing. every single Crushing. Earl's you were a beer guy? Canadians. No. Well, no, he drank uh, cocktails. He's got this but... with the iceberg on top yeah. of the little vodka thing. Exactly. That's the first time I got introduced to it. And I'd have like one at dinner and like these dudes, the Canadian dudes would be on their fourth and Dre and I would look at each other like, what are we, are we, a, what are we doing? <laughs> these dudes are animals. This is ridiculous. Oh, it was so much fun, man. Yeah. And yeah. So then I played uh, in 09 because I was, I would always come down here. So 06, 07 and 08 were the first three years I was playing mini tours. And then I was like, in 2009, I played pretty good on the Canadian tour or 2008, I played pretty good on the Canadian tour and it got me status on the Sunshine Tour down in South Africa. And I was like, I was here playing mini tours and my agents like, hey, you can go down and play some. And there were actually co-sanctioned events with the European tour. I'm like, fuck, yeah, sign me up and get me on a plane like tomorrow. I'm going. It's a and long way. It is. Yeah, I went there three different times that year. <laughs> wow. So the first time I went down, I played two European because I was just I'm like, I'll go down and play because obviously we're playing for $100,000 purses here. And those ones were like probably like 1.5 million us. So I'm like, I'm not going to turn that down, obviously. So I flew all the way over. I finished 12th and 12th Joburg open and African open. And, uh, so now, which is, which is good. Right. And now now I'm like, well, now I'm like third on their money list for their members. Like obviously there was European tour players, but the way that it worked. So now I'm like, well, I should go back because they had all these different things that you could do for their membership would get you through to European tour school. 
uh, final stage or whatever it was. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back. So I went back. I finished second, second in these two events, flew home again. And then, but there's a caveat in this thing in order to get to the, I think if you were top 10 on the money list, you would get to final stage in Europe. And at this point I'd gone to Q school every year here, got to second stage, missed by one, got to second stage, missed by two, got to second stage, missed by one. And you know how it is. It's if you, if you get to second stage and miss, you, you might as well not have gone. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm like, but you have to play five events in order for this to kick mm. in. So I'm like, oh my God. I have to go for one. <laughs> I flew all the way back there again. And then I won. But it was like kind of like one of their like off field yeah, but events. You won. Yeah. So I won there. And then so then I was like fourth on the list. So I'm like, oh sweet. I'm like, I got final stage in Europe. Like I'm gonna go do that. So this is 2009. And then that year I got through to Q school or I got through to final stage here finally. And they're at the same time. So obviously I'm, you know, I I live here in the US. My my wife's here and everything, my life's here. But I always like think about how things would be different if I didn't get through second stage here that year. I mean, I could my whole life could be over in Europe and I would have never met you guys. Well, I'd have met you. Yeah, but, we would have known each other. Yeah. Well, well, I, 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 I knew you a little bit too. Yeah. That's but this, 2008 is a year I really remember. That was my first year up there. And you were coming off like a, a big season the year before. We started off in Canada uh, in 2008. You didn't have the best start in the world. And I can distinctly remember this. I don't know if you'll remember this, but we were coming home. I believe it was from Winnipeg. And you and I were in the same wave, so we were sharing a car going back with like James and Barrett and all those dudes. And you had missed the cut and you hadn't been playing well. And you were literally in the car with me talking about like, dude, I feel bad. Like Ruby's at home. I'm, I don't know if I can keep doing I just this. Got I'm married, going yeah. bad. You just gotten married. Like yeah. she's at home. I'm out here spending money, not making any money. There was a legit time where you were contemplating not playing. I was anymore. done. No, I, I literally I was down to my last buck and uh, my sponsor at the time, who was Kevin Burton, was my coach at Boise State. One of his best buddies and the guy that changed my life was named Mark Hedge. He's from uh, Las, lives in Las Vegas. And he, I called him. I'm like, man, I'm broke. I'm done. I'm dejected. I'm not having fun. We had like, I don't know, four or five tournaments left in the year before we went out east. And I'm like, I, if you have any more money, I wanted, you know, I got like four or five events left. And he's like, I can give you another 5K. And I probably wasn't even enough to do the rest. But he's, I'm like, okay. And I, we were home for like three weeks. We had like a big break the in the break, schedule. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, this is it. And like, not that I, I worked hard all the time. Like I felt like I always, always practicing and always doing the right things. But that was like, I buckled down and then we went to Montreal That's at one the streak. Yeah. And then I finished second the next two weeks and then like fourth or something in the tour championship. And that just like completely like springboarded me. And it was like, it was all confidence. It's like, I wasn't a different player. It was just like I started believing in it again. What if he would have said no to no more money? I probably would have scratched and clawed and found five grand somewhere and at least finished the year off. Like I wasn't, I wasn't ready to quit by any means. But I mean, you know, golf's not fun when you're not playing well and when you're away from a new wife and you're completely broke and you're second guessing whether this is something you even want to do it's even harder. Like there's so many thoughts that are weighing down on you. you know? That's that, like the separate, sorry, that was like the separation I feel like between like early Graham and then the new Graham. As soon as you went home, we had that break and you were contemplating quitting. You got this money, you came back and then you went second, first, second, second or whatever it was. Like from that point on, like never looked back. That was, that was just a change in mental attitude, you think? I don't really know. I mean, it was confidence more than anything, but as soon as I, that win in Montreal was what like did it for me. I was like, okay, I'm good enough to be out here. I'm going to stop fucking around. And I'd actually, I remember, remember Joe Horowitz? Yeah. Oh, the best. Spider. Oh yeah. Like the best guy. Yeah. So it was, I think it was in Winnipeg. It might've been the week before in Edmonton or something like that too. But he like, we we're having a couple beers and he's like, I don't know if he would even remember this, but he's like, Graham, he's like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, what? He goes, stop missing cuts. I'm like, 
yeah, fuck, you're right. Like, yeah, what am I guys, doing? Brilliant. <laughs> but, but it's true. I'm like, because I was trying so hard. To, he's like, stop trying to make cuts. Like, make some money. Make, win some tournaments or whatever. And, like, that was, like, I remember that. It was, like, a key point. And then, you know, the little bit of a break, maybe just, like, a reset. And then came back. And then we're all systems Yeah, because we all knew it, too. It was, like, watching you play. We're like, all right, that's a little bit different than what everybody, you know, we could see it. Like, you had the talent to do all this crazy stuff. And then it was all of a sudden just, like, a flipping of a switch. Bam. And then you were off. Is that, does that kind of explain why, like when you made it through Q school in 2010, you were so emotional? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I remember my agent gave me a big hug right on, came off the 72nd green or well, 108 green or whatever. And he's like, your life's about to change. And like, like, it was just like, everything just kind of hit me. And I was leaking oil so bad that last day, man, (laughs) that bear lakes water everywhere. And I was like, so clear. Like, I mean, as long as I didn't shoot probably 77, I was going to get my tour car, but like, there's the where you finish is obviously makes a difference too, right? And I was in the final group it was me, Troy Merritt, and Tom Pernice. And uh, like Troy was playing great, and it was nice to like have a guy that I knew playing. I didn't know Tom or whatever at that time, but so we're playing, and like we get to like probably like twelve or something on that last day, and I like pop. I pop up a three wood no, into the water. No, not yeah. you. You don't pop three wood up. I pop up this three wood into the water, and now I'm like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> I make double, and I'm like, and then I like hit another ball in the water on like 14 or 15. But then I birdied 17, two putted a par five, and then made like a bomb on 18. Like, and then I finished eighth, and that like got me in and everything yeah. in the West Coast. It was huge. Like at the time, it was huge just like emotionally. But then I look back because like I even got into Phoenix. I was like a alternate but i got into phoenix my rookie year which is like a, that's a hard that's, tournament to get yeah. into sometimes so uh yeah man it was that was crazy what a whirlwind but yeah when you when you're active like you never failed a q school but when you fail a q school just like every time you go back it gets harder and harder and it really does because you know if you get through your first time you just think it's easy and it, and, and maybe it is yeah, why everybody freak out yeah. it's no big deal yeah. right but the scar tissue builds it it definitely does um and i've heard i mean i listen to your guys' podcast all the time i love it by the way Oh, thanks. But That's why you're a guy. I, I, yeah, I know. You got so much scar tissue, bud. From this <laughs> cute school. It's just building up. You got so much scar dude, tissue. It, it is one of those things. Like, just uh, like you said, you get out first time, you make it through. You're like, oh, dude, what's the bit? Why is everyone, you know, why are they writing books about this term? Like, it's not that hard. You just go out and play some good right. golf and you get through. But then you, you have the disaster and you miss by one at second. Then you go back the next year. Now you're thinking about it and then you miss by two. Or yeah. The more that it builds up, the harder it becomes to get For through sure. that stage and that second stage. And you realize deep. the importance of it each time even more and more and then and you see so many guys that you know they're great players and now they're like they're 28 and 30 and they're still doing it. and you're like man like how long is this guy going to keep chasing this or doing this but it's like well it's all you know first of all and you know that all you have to do is play good in second stage to get through so it seems like that's good enough because you know once you get to the web or the corn ferry or whatever you're gonna you're better than because you see the guys that are on the corn ferry and you played against and you beat them all through college and mini tours and stuff like that. And you're like, man, you see them having a success and moving on to the PJ tour and you're happy for them, but you know that you can play or with them or beat them like pretty much every day. Yeah. If all else fails, just start one of the world's best podcasts. Then you can interview on. your friends. <laughs> yeah. It's very <laughs> simple. But you have dealt, you've had some tough times on tour though with injuries and stuff like that. And I know currently right now you're, you're battling some, but What's been the biggest issue with you throughout your career with injuries? Yeah, well, my back. I mean, it's. I mean, my back started bugging me probably when I was like 15 years old playing oh, wow. hockey. Um, so, and it's like it was always between periods. I was laying on the floor, and I, I mean, when you're 15, you're limber, and like, like no 15 year old has back issues. 
I was always stretching in between periods and that kind of thing. And then, uh, as I kind of like moved along the first time I like really hurt my back when I was telling one of my dad's like, Hey, maybe we should go the golf route. Um, like I was like almost like for like a month, my dad was like putting my socks on in the morning. And like the thing that sucks about Canada the, with the socialized medicine, I know we got Canadians listening to the show, but it's like, man, you can't get in. You're in this like line or this queue. <clears throat> and then by the time I could finally get in for an MRI, which could have like changed my life at that time, I was already, I was, cause I was 18, I had healed and I was good. And I'm like, ah, I don't need an MRI or whatever. I'll just go to college. And then it was always like three or four times a year. I would like throw my back out and at school, <clears throat> whether it was playing golf or playing basketball or working out or whatever it was. And, you know, I'd be laid up for three, four days and then I'd kind of bounce out of it. When you're younger, it's a lot easier. And then as you get older, it's just kind of like, and I don't know if it's from golf or if it's from hockey or if it's from the way that I swing or whatever it is, but like there's torque you know, on the lower part of my back. And it's just, it's, and as I've gotten older, it's just like, it's become like, and both the surgeries that I had helped a lot. Um, the microdisectomies, which is what tigers had, you know, multiple ones of those. It took all the, like the sharp shooting, stabbing pain away. that was going down my leg and everything. But now I'm dealing a lot more with just like, just achy sore, like just kind of like all the time, even like sitting here, like I'm like always kind of just like adjusting or whatever, you know, in my seat. Cause I just can't ever like kind of get comfortable, but that's our fault. We should have you a co- more comfortable chair. We need better yeah. Chairs. Lumbar support. Mark, what the hell are chair. we doing here? Everyone's fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, give us an update. Where are you at right now? Like with your back and things like yeah, that. Yeah. So I just actually had another procedure, which was, uh, it's a radio frequency ablation, which is actually kind of neat. And it's something that I had kind of gone down the road a couple years ago and ended up not doing it. Um, but I found a new doctor here this year that thought it was a good idea. So I went through with it and I'm just kind of on the tail end of, it's not really a recovery. Like you're just a little bit sore. I was telling Colt on the way over, like it just kind of still feels like a little, almost like bruised down there right now. But, um, they say after like about a month after, which is next week, I'll be a month into this, um, that that should go away. And I am definitely feeling like a little bit of relief. <clears throat> so I'm optimistic for the first time in a walk. Cause like, I mean, there was, I've, I was sitting down with my buddies in like January, having a couple beers. I'm like, man, I'm like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like the chase is what like gets old. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and it's people care and they're always like, man, you got to go see this guy. Have you tried this? Have you, you got to go, go down to Denver and see this guy. man. I've ticked all the boxes I guarantee. And like, and is there things that I haven't done? Probably. But like the chase just gets really old after a while. Um, so I'm really hopeful that this, can give me a little bit of relief enough that I can just like practice. Like when I was out playing in the fall, I played four events and then withdrew in Houston. Cause I was just kind of like hurt and I was having trouble just like putting the tee in the ground and get my ball out of the hole again after like seventh hole or something on Friday. Yeah, but that's one thing like we we've talked about over this whole time is like, I mean, I don't know what percent you were at when you were trying to play this past fall, but I was like, you can't play at 70% out there against these guys. They're just too good. It's tough. And it's like, man, like, it's it's harder now like i it really is like the the young talent and like they have this fuck you attitude and it's it's awesome right like because they're, they're but they're coming out so ready to play and so eager and so hungry and like why wouldn't you be and there's a 15 million dollar person the <laughs> yeah. players championship yeah. a couple weeks ago you know so um yeah and it's and the, the the hardest thing for me in all honesty last fall when i came back to play was that i wasn't able to really prepare i was good enough to like play 18 holes and i was sore throughout the day and then as soon as i'm done it's like on the table getting some work done but like no practice and like at least like maybe practicing a little bit but not like good like i used to always pride myself on how hard i worked when i was working when i was living down here full time i mean it was like gym every day 
working with Gabe or whatever it was for two, three hours playing and like putting in like, you know, between four to nine hour days, like every single day. And that gives you the confidence when you stand on the tee on Thursday morning that you deserve to play well type of thing. And that's the one thing that I really struggled with last fall is that I didn't really feel like I put in the work to deserve to play well. And I know that that like sound me like kind of sounds silly or whatever, but it's like, if you don't believe in your head that you're prepared or that you've done the right things and you're already just so far behind the eight ball. And that was like a big part of like why I just played so poorly that. And I was just putting really bad. <laughs> and you got to get so stir crazy though. When you've been hurt for as long as you have, as soon as you start getting close to like, all right, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling, you want to do something because you've yeah, been you laid up for it. so long. It's like, dude, I got to do something or I'm going to go crazy that you might like push it and go a little bit too early and it ends up setting you back. Yeah. And so my plan right now, and that's, it, that's very true. So my plan right now is to like, hopefully this thing, like, just gives me enough relief where I can like, I'm in decent shape right now, but I'm not like training and I want to get my body strong. So if, if, if that's like two months of like good, hard working out before I start putting in like those days and testing it. Cause I don't want to like, if as soon as I start feeling good, yeah. put in a four hour practice day and then be on my back for like three or four days again. So that's kind of like my plan. And like, and while I do that, I mean, I can go play like right now I'm playing, you know, a couple times a week with my buddies back home and it hurts a little bit, but you're riding in a cart. It's not that bad yeah. and have a couple cocktails. And, but it, which is weird. Like when I used to, when I was playing full, I would never have a cocktail in the golf course ever. I'd sit on the, in the 19th hole with you as long as you want. But, um, now it's just like, it, it takes a little bit of that edge off and, it's fun. It's that's fun. The, that's the solution. Yeah, you exactly. just load up that Yeti. They yeah. don't know what's inside of there. Okay, well, I got to ask you about this one thing, and you can totally tell me to fuck off. It's perfectly fine. But you were very open about your battle with the chipping yips. Uh-huh. And one, I'm curious why you were so open with it, because I think a lot of listeners out there will appreciate this, because I'm guessing they probably all battle this. But you were very, very open about it. You even you withdrew from, I believe, the memorial. Yeah. And you put out a tweet and said you're battling it. Scott Van Pelt was on SportsCenter, said the best thing he heard all day was that. He thought it was so cool that you were open and honest about it. What made you be open to the public about that? I really thought at the time that if I did that, it would, like, get me kind of over this, like, hump and, like, just um, – I, I just felt like being honest. Like, because I could have easily – I've had so many back issues. I could easily said my back was yeah, hurt and taken a month off. But I just wanted to be honest because I thought that that would be the way that I would get through it. Um and in all honesty, like I've, it's crazy. Like there's been like, you know, support almost, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that obviously deal with it. I still kind of am, um, you know, I was chipping one handed when I went out and played last fall. Um, but I actually got pretty good at it. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> that being said, I'm actually like, I've the last like few times I played in Boise, I've been chipping with two hands. It's not like every time, like I kind of always like know when it's coming. Or I can think that it like might be, and it's like this weird, uncontrollable little hibbity jibbity, like right at the right at the ball, like. And uh, do you remember like the first time it happened? I remember it slowly creeping in, and it was at uh, um, Quail Hollow. I think it was like 2015. Uh, is it number 15, the par five? Mm-hmm. I hit a driver three wood just up there, kind of just short of the green, at like 20 yards, and the pin was kind of in the front, almost in that little bowl, you know. And I just hit it like a little bit thin. It wasn't, I'm like, and I hit it to like 20 feet just up on top. Like it was a terrible shot, but I was like, like, what the hell? I'm like, I kind of like flinched at that thing. And I, and then, so like we, that was on uh, our front nine. We got to like two, I hit it just short of the green. I had like one that I was like, I literally, I pulled the pin out. I was like trying to make it. And I hit it like, I don't know, halfway to the hole or something. I'm like, what the hell? And I looked at Jules. I'm like, dude, I think I 
I think I have the yips right now. And he's like, no, you don't dude. He's like, whatever. And then it just kind of like progressed, man. Like it really did. And, um, I don't know if there's a way out of it. Although like I'm slowly, I'm slowly getting there and, but there's nothing that I've done. I've, well, I've, I've done, I've seen different coaches technically, um, worked with two, two different mental people to try to like figure it out. And like, um, yeah, it's a weird deal, man. Like, and it's like, but like, like I said, I'm, I'm not hiding from it. Like yeah. there's, that's there's really cool of, though. There's a tons lot of people, of people yeah, that people. do. And like the way I look at it too, is like, I'm lucky that there's so many people that deal with like anxiety on like this massive level where they can't even walk out of their door at home or they, they're scared to, you know, touch their car door or get in a car or whatever. This, I mean, it obviously affects my ability to play golf really, really well, but I've played 2015 2016 2017 like that and did pretty well like i mean you talk to anyone and i i know that you have it's like man i was putting from everywhere mm -hmm. ray caddy for me in the olympics i was putting from everywhere that we're was gonna a, get to that that, that was actually a, that was a good course for me to putt from ever because everything was like tight and it was like everything was rolling nice and i mean i was like i was second place after the first day like i mean i was still playing pretty good and made it to the playoffs yeah. i remember the year at harbortown you had the lead you're in the last group on yeah. sunday and Harbortown's a great place as well if you miss yeah. the green. It's very tight around the greens. You can just putt from everywhere. Yeah, no, for sure. Even and, good, uh, yeah, even guys that chip a great putt from around that place. Dude, I finished seventh at the PGA Quail Hollow and literally, literally could not chip. Didn't chip? That's incredible. Well, I mean, if I was in the rough, I had to chip. Yeah, but then you got a little But that was it. So yeah. what's helped more, seeing the technical guys, the chipping coaches or nothing. coaches or the No, mental? nothing. It's just been time, man. And it's like it's slowly fading away. And it's it's weird because I can feel it fading away now. And like forever, like – Man, like when I withdrew from that was one of the lowest points of my entire life. I'm not gonna lie. I had a breakdown on the driving range with Gabe and Jules, and I had my sunglasses on and I was crying. I'm like, dude, I cannot play. What if I miss a green? I can't play it. I can't play golf like this. It's impossible. So I took a month off and I'm thinking, I'm like, I just need some time off. Well, I came back, it was the same, but I I couldn't sleep. Like it was bad. That's um, crazy. Yeah. Wow. But it was but now all of a sudden, just like, just in the, like the last like month or so that I've been playing and I'm just like, I just committed to like just chipping with two hands and like, just not worrying too much about it. I know like sometimes, like if I got like a little bit of a dicey lie or something, I'm still going to one hand it. Um, but just that has allowed me to like, I, I can feel it. That's like coming in. It was kind of like starting to creep into like my half wedges from like 60 yards or whatever. Those have been a lot better lately. So I, I feel like once those start coming down and coming in, is there yeah. ever the tiger had it? No, yeah, I know. I mean, I remember when he had that because I was, was playing that tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was your stad's one. Mm -hmm. What a party! Oh that my was. god, <laughs> yeah, well, Boy, we might talk about that too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if anyone can remember anything that happened. But let me let me ask you this one last thing about the yips though, because I feel like as a tour player, like you, you don't want to be judged negatively. So like, say you're thirty yards from the green, and I potted. You, yeah, I know. I, well, I mean, but it, but any moment in your mind, you're like, God, these people are all going to think I'm. I can't do it. Like, oh, what's yeah. going on? So that's, that's a tough part because you hear a lot of, I mean, even commentators like, oh, I can't believe he's putting it from here. But hey, when that's the only option you have, sometimes that's what you got to do. Dude, I, I would like hit a shot, say I had a five iron into a green and I can see it missing the green. My heart would start racing, racing. And wow. as I got closer and closer to the ball, it was like pounding so hard that I didn't even know if I could like, I was like hard to like pull a club out of the bag oh, sometimes. Was it bunkers uh, too? Or just tight lies? No bunkers were fine. Cause I could bring speed. Anytime yeah. I could bring speed, even flop shots were fine. Um, 
but yeah, it was, I mean, I, but I remember watching, I'm like, how does Tiger Woods, like, how can he not like, <laughs> like my son is five. If I give him a sandwich, he could chip it to three feet sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's actually like a really, really simple skill. Like how can the best player of all time be struggling with this? I'd like to know how he got out of it. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he showed up at Augusta now. and there was a few chips. Oh I was like, God. oh, what do we... Because he had I a four iron out at TPC Scottsdale. You know what I mean? With, ton, with a green to work with. But the the yeah. mind's so powerful. Even when he won in 2019, like he flared that five iron over there and he could make bogey and win. And I'm like, oh, this could be... You never, if one yeah. of those little... Mm-hmm. comes into play. Like this thing could be interesting. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's a scary thing. But dude, yeah. on the... On like the a, but a, like, honestly, this is the one thing I want to say about it is like, I'm like so fortunate i think that my anxiety only causes such a small problem in my life you know like honestly like it's like it's such a big thing that does need to be talked about a little bit more and it's happening now you know you see a lot of different athletes like kevin love came out there a few years ago and talked about his you see pitchers who can throw a fucking 95 mile an hour and just paint the side of the plate but they can't throw it to first base. It, or yeah, it happens. Yeah, it's it's you got great three-point shooters that can't shoot a free throw. Right. It happens all so the time. So it's a weird thing. No, I don't know if anyone will ever like figure out what causes it, whether it's like in everyday life or in sports or whatever. But uh, I'm just, I'm just happy that I'm still like a healthy guy, and I, this is, it's, it's a pretty small part of my life that it's is affected by it, and I'm on. I, I just thought it was really cool was that, on you, the back yeah, that you were open about it. You addressed well on the polar opposite side of that. We'll get to this because I mean. I'll give you a big compliment here. I think you were in the top, top, top tier of players I've ever played with in terms of ball striking, just natural ability and things like that. And yet you've never had a lesson, more or less, correct? Never had a teacher, never got anyone for your full swing. You see Gabe right. for short game and things like that. I did, yeah. But never. It was just like a gift you had. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. But it's like, I honestly, like I grew up, if you if you Googled Wave in Saskatchewan right now, you would wonder like how I ever got here to sit with you guys today. Yeah, but, to the big leagues, yeah. But like, but in all honesty, it's like, I always feel like you're like a product of your environment growing up. And like, we played in crazy winds every single day with these tiny little turtle back greens. They built like a new back nine when I was maybe like 10 years old or something like that, that had, it was more traditional or whatever. But the, like, I mean, you had to just always be in total control and you're always flighting and shaping shots. And I learned that kind of just at a young age and it was just by watching TV. And like it was, that was before like YouTube and like swing instructors and all that kind of stuff where you could just like follow somebody and whatever. But uh, we never had a uh, uh, pro at our golf course until I was about 16. And I remember when he came in and I was like so excited that I was going to have someone I could take lessons from and that kind of thing. And uh, his name was Rod Carroll. There's no disrespect if he's last. But uh, the first time I played with him, I'm like, I beat him by like seven strokes. I'm like, why the fuck would I take lessons from this guy? This <laughs> yeah. makes no sense. He should take from me. <laughs> yeah. So no, he, but he was a great guy. Um, but like that's, and that's kind of like how I've always been. And I don't know it, whether that's right or wrong, but I'm like, why would I listen to somebody who can't do it? And who's, or at least who's like never done it under the gun. That's why I always like working with Gabe because I mean, man, he won twice. His short game was ridiculous. And he's been under the gun and like felt that pump. And it's, it's not that you can't be a good coach without, like I listened to you on with uh, uh, Boyd the other day too. Same thing. Like that I would, as a player, I would trust him because he's been there mm-hmm. and there's, there's something really to be said about that. There is a lot of great coaches out there that, that haven't felt it, but man, it's, it's not, it's not the same. Yeah. It's yeah. a different te- and you just a different. I agree with you, and especially with the short game, like with Gabe, he's like, do this. And I'm like, uh, have you ever. Like with him, he's done it under pressure. Right. But like some other guys, it's like, oh, just open it up and do this, and you know, use the bounce. I'm like, 
yeah, okay, well, what about when your heart's beating 190 miles <laughs> right. an hour? Like, what the hell are you supposed to do? I remember, yeah. uh, like, my rookie year, I like, on the West Coast, I had missed, like, I finished, I played good my first two events, Hawaii. Top and, 25 in both of them. And Sony, or Hawaii and Palm Springs, and then I missed, like, seven or eight cuts in a row or something. And then, all of a sudden, I've never had a coach. I've never even wanted a coach. And, I mean, Foley's a Canadian guy. I love that guy. Yeah. You need to have him on here, oh. man, for sure. It's in, it's in the works. Good. Um, but, uh, I remember I'm like, dude, I'm like, I think I need some help. Like he's like, he's like, no, he's like, Graham, do not ever get a coach, a wow. swing coach. And I'm like, well, this is maybe the best coach in the world. He was working with tiger at the time, I think. And I'm like, oh, if he says that and, and like, and then obviously I figured it out and it's like, I was just always like, you go, you dig it out of the dirt and you, and you figure out what to do. And like, that's the one thing right now too, that I just, I can't go to the range if I'm hitting my driver bad and hit. 60 drivers or 100 drivers and figure it out because my back can't hold up right now and like that's like the thing and then i like feel like i just can't compete if i like don't believe it you know what i mean like it's a strange deal well not by any means is your career over you still have a yes. lot of golf left in you but you finished second three times you finished third three times 33 top tens looking back is there one tournament that sticks out that you're like man i should have had that one yeah there's two harbor town uh i think that was 2004 15 or 16 i should have won that one i i snap hooked a tee shot on eight into the little tiny little hazard it's mm-hmm. not really in play but it's kind of there if you snap hook it and then i had to <laughs> drop so far back i had to like lay up and then i ended up making triple um and then the other one was uh hartford i played well there cause i love that place that's one that's of my favorite one. places like if you if you're going on a golf trip to play a tpc other than TPC Sawgrass, which is an unbelievable golf course. TPC River Highlands is like the best place, man. It's so much fun. But uh, I played good there a couple times. But the one year uh, I lost, I missed out on a playoff. It was Ken Duke and Chris Stroud. Chris Stroud hold a bunker shot from the back of, or over 18 green on 17, or on 18. And Kenny Duke like hooked one on 14 and hit a tree and bounced down like three feet and made birdie. And I like, I, made a bad bogey on 16 and missed like a five footer on four or 15 for birdie. And that one stings. Like I think about it all the time because like, and, yeah. and one time at, uh, uh, Liberty national, the first time we played there it was maybe like 2012 or 13 or something. I left one hanging on the lip in the second to last group and which would have gotten me into a playoff as well yeah. with Adam Scott. But, uh, man, I mean, if my career did happen end today, which I'm, I, I don't want it to be over yet, but, um, that's the one thing that like really like the fact that I never won would have been mm-hmm. it'll it'll eat at me for pretty much forever. But um, at the same time, like I feel like I've done some good things yeah. in the game. Yeah, it ain't it ain't done yet. And even without yeah. winning, you did. I would think one of the highlights of your career, if it were in today, the President's Cup in 2013, where you were a monster. I mean, you were three one and one in that deal. That's got to be one of, the, and especially the way some of those matches closed out for you with the holing out, what twice. On the 18th hole, yeah, to that win was matches. Fun. I think you almost broke Jason his hand 47 <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah, the fist bump <laughs> was real. Man, and high five. It was crazy. So I remember like a couple of weeks before that, I played with G Mac at some tournament, and uh, he's like, "Hey, man, congrats on the President's Cup." I'm like, "Yeah, like you got any advice or whatever?" He's like, "The coolest thing about the Ryder Cup, which is what he plays, obviously, is like it's like it's like basically like uh, you you can go crazy and do." whatever you want and like ride these emotional trains that you would never ever do. And it's like, you don't have to force it, but just like, let it, if it's going to, if you want to do it, just let it happen. And like, I remember when I chipped in against Phil and Keegan, uh, from the front of 18 
there was some guy, the one thing about that week, there was so many rain delays. Yeah. And what did people do in rain delays? They just chug code go <laughs> <laughs> like nonstop. So then you come back and they're like more vocal and then you have another rain delay and you come back and it's like, it was like pretty nuts, but it was, it was amazing. But there was a guy chirping me on the back of the green. Cause I had pulled the pin and he had said something like, Oh, are you, are you going to chip in or whatever? I'm like, well, that's what I was trying to do. And I hold it. And I like, it wasn't even, it was like, you know, you're like seeing stars and it's like, it was like this crazy thing. And then Keegan made an unbelievable, he made like a 12 footer for par to have the match. But looking back in hindsight, I wish I would have played that way cooler because I know that that fueled him to make that putt. And he was when at that time, especially like, I mean, like he was a really, really good Ryder cupper and yeah. president's cup player. And like, that was like fuel that he probably didn't need, but I, I just kind of like couldn't handle myself. You, you hold the bunker shot in the singles against Spieth, right? To win? Yeah. Yeah. That, that so was, I was filthy little bunker shot that one i was one slider. up going into 18 we both hit good tee shots and i hit this ball like the pin is back left and i short sided myself in that bunker it was the only thing i couldn't yeah. do i mean i just needed to make par but i just whatever it's like i pulled it and we got up there and he had a good shot to like 15 20 feet probably and like he's probably thinking you know i got a chance to win this hole with a birdie but good chance that Graham doesn't, you know, even make par. And I hold that bunker shot. And I remember the same thing and I wanted to go nuts and I raised my hand and I saw him and he's such a good guy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm like, and I just like stepped out of the bunker and shook his hand. And he was young at the time. Like that was like, he, he was like just up and coming. He was 19. He was right yeah. there when you got out of the bunker. I yeah. Saw it and and it like, was like, I wanted to go nuts, but like, I just, I, I respect him. I played with him in Houston. This is like a good story about him. In Houston, before he had his car, you get his seven sponsors exemptions or whatever. And we were playing on like a, I think it was either a Saturday or Sunday. I think it was a Sunday, but I could be wrong. And we were in like 25th to 30th, like playing pretty good, but nothing crazy. But it was like, but when you're on seven starts, you got to make every one of them count, especially when you make the cut. And if you're in 25th and you shoot 1200 on the weekend, I mean, you're finishing third type of thing. And he was having a rough day and we had turned and we were probably on like, I don't know, 13, 14 or whatever. And he was so cool and collected. And I, I look back, if I was 19 and knew how important this was and was four over or whatever it was on the day, I'd been losing my mind. And he was like the coolest thing. And I'm like, that's when I knew. I'm like, this kid's got something special. Yeah, you were right. And, and I just respected him. That's why one of the reasons I love the President's Cup is because like the way they do the pairings, right? You, the Team USA puts a team out, our internationals match it, right? You, the internationals put a team out, we match it. How did that how did that matchup come that week? Did did they throw did you did the internationals throw you out and then they we matched with Speeth? I, I actually around? can't remember. I remember early in the um week before the tournament even started, uh we were all like having like a dinner or whatever together. And uh Tony Johnstone, who is one of the assistant captains, who's an absolute beauty. I mean, there's a guy you should have on too. <laughs> the stories that he's got from playing European tour and stuff. But um he basically just went and asked each guy. Who do you want to play if like i mean not that we're gonna definitely make it happen who do you want to play and that's what i said i'm like i want the kid oh yeah and, and he was he, he was 19 you want, and that's time, when he yeah. was just coming up and yeah. becoming the guy we know now yeah we played him because he played with strick yeah. i think and uh yeah. we beat them in uh, uh i don't know if it was alternate shot or uh best ball before that too but um Man. Well, I'm sure that's yeah. Good. I was wondering, it's good to I was see wondering him how that, again. that got because you were playing incredible at that time, and he's the young gun coming out. I didn't know if like they threw him out and they're like, I want him, or it was vice versa. Yeah, so that was early in the week, but I like that could have punched me right back in the face pretty easily. Kidding, I didn't want yeah. him, you assholes. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure obviously that's a highlight of your career, but 
we got to get to the Olympics because your man's sitting over here on the couch. Mm-hmm. The wizard, Ray Whitney, filled in for your, your normal guy, Julian Trudeau. You make the 2016 Olympic team, Rio. What was that whole experience like? You got to be – you were the first group off because technically Canada was the defending champion right. from 1904. Right. And so they Long put it all time. on George your Lyons. George Lyons. George Lyons. Yeah. Very well done. I was wondering if you knew that. But what was the whole Olympic experience like for – I mean, for golf, that's no, 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 not many golfers we know. Definitely, no golfers we know have got to experience that. Yeah, the one thing that I people ask me that all the time. The the main thing that I remember from that week was how it how much it meant to everybody there. Like, I mean, we were we we're pretty fortunate as professional golfers that if we didn't play well, we I went to um, Greensboro the next week and played for an eight million dollar purse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was we. The, some of the people like we met like these like field hockey players and like boxers and all these and like they're literally living three of them in a uh, you know an apartment in Calgary and they're just trying to make ends meet for four years to peak and they've this is what they've worked their bags off for for so long and so we walked in the opening ceremonies and the emotion that was pouring out of all the other athletes that's the one thing that I'll always remember and it, like makes my hair stand up on end just like right now just thinking about it because it was like how important it was and it was like don't get me wrong like i was super super proud to be there with Hearn, um but it was it was just kind of different because like it's almost like the dream team like going it's like yeah it's cool they're in the olympics but um like the the cool stories about the olympics are always like the gymnasts mm-hmm. or the you know all the amateur the track and field right. and that well, kind yeah, of so thing you could, you could go down there and false start and all that work for four years it's, exactly it's over. Yeah, you get so, to see it up the next week. Exactly. So, like, that's the one thing. But I mean, I had so much fun with Wiz. He was what uh, we in our little uh, high rise kind of condo thing that the Team Canada had. He would always run down and grab a couple Molson Canadians for the boys and bring them back up because no, none of the other athletes drink. That's a good but, loop. That's but a honestly, it's like from the fella. We're playing golf, and it's like I have beers after I play golf. That's just kind of that's what, what you I do. do. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about the first hole, though. First hole. Olympics, you get the honor of teeing off first, and maybe the caddy might have substitute made a caddy. Was rookie. that was that first day or the rookie. second day? Yeah. Oh, I thought it so was the first no, second but, day. But anyway, so we'll take a little pressure off him. But we're still in <laughs> second teeing off. Yeah. Like I mean, like we're in we, this we have we have a chance here. Yeah. Like, we, and we only need a top three here. Like, like the goal yeah, is always to win. But like, man, it, like there's been a lot of third place finishes where I'm like. But this one would be a nice one yeah. to have, like, that bronze medal to chew on. But So, anyways, we hit our tee shots. We, like, walk out. And it's raining. So, he's got the umbi. And you know how, like, important it is to have a caddy in rain. And keep everything dry. Holding the – and it's, like, it's hard work for a caddy in the rain. So, we get down there. And I'm, like, okay, we're, like, you know, what do we got? He's, like, oh, we got, like, 50, or 255 front edge. It was par five. And I'm, like, okay, what – where's the – he's, like, where's the pin sheet? I'm, like, what do you mean where's the pin sheet? He's like, well, where's the pin sheet? He's like, well, no, I I gave it to Di and like he was he was gonna like put the put the pins in the thing. And I'm like, well, where's the pin sheet right now? Like, where is it? I don't where's care the what hole on yeah. this hole. And he's like, dude, I don't know. So good thing I have an unbelievable athlete on the bag. He full out sprints, <laughs> three hundred yards, all the way, three hundred yards all the way back. Now and and we were waiting for the green to clear anyway. So he got back just as it was kind of my turn to hit and. 
We got it all figured that out. That had to be it. such a cool one. <laughs> <laughs> you take it back here for a minute. I'll be right back. Yeah. Come and on, Ray. He did better good, than that. He did a good job. He was like, he was totally into it. And uh, yeah, it was like I said, he was, he got our beer. Where, for where us does the night. Olympics rank in your career? It would probably be President's Cup Olympics. See, that's one thing. We, we talk about it all the time on our Sirius XM show about how the Olympics, like Dustin Johnson said, he's not going to go to the Olympics in Tokyo. And it's just, it's, it's different for golf because they're, they're in their mind. I feel like in golfers mind, it's let's peak four times a year. And it's at the majors. Yeah. If you win, a, win the Olympics, I mean, that's awesome. That's right. Badass. But at the same time, it doesn't like, that's not what you're going to be remembered for. Yeah. It's, it's too bad. And it's like, man, I think, I really think that the, the, what they should do is make like a team thing with the women. Like, I think that that's the way to like right. really make it intriguing and make like scores count. Like maybe do a best ball, um, like a four team, two person best ball, one male, male score, one female score or something and make like a team medal. And this way you're still keeping your individual score, so you can still go for the individual medal. But then you have like a, maybe you have a men's team and a mixed team or something like that. I think that that's like the one thing they're kind of missing. And you know, like women's golf is like, doing good right now and like that could be like the really thing to propel it good point and i think that they're just missing the boat there and i don't know who's in charge if it's the international olympic committee or the federation of tours or whoever is choosing the um but like to just have like i wouldn't say just another tournament because it's not it's the olympics um but like make it special make it something different to like that's why new orleans is so cool because it's something different that tournament was like you go there and it was always like thunderstorms yeah. and you would sit in the fucking locker room yeah. for seven hours every day and now it's fun guys want to go because it's a team, team event league. it was it was a brilliant i, I always say this like justin rose is a phenomenal player he's going to be remembered more for winning the u.s open and the fedex cup than he is for winning an olympic gold medal for sure yeah that's, you can't, that, and that's unfortunate yeah most people could probably couldn't name the the silver and the bronze winner from from Rio, and that's just the reality and it's also because of the schedule the pga tour has right now there's no time off anyways like guys got to prioritize their yeah. stuff and it, just because of the way things are the majors and everything else fedex cup are going to take priority over that so yeah, yeah. Gotta be and to something. go like i mean if it was in atlanta like in 96 yeah oh guys yeah, yeah. cruise yeah. over and then you guys right. had like zika or whatever it was yeah that, there, that, so that's that why was... jewels ended up not coming down because they were uh trying to get pregnant at the time and that was like one of the things that zika yeah, had, would, like, whatever messed up pre- but yeah. steve um, elkin and i sent you an amazing hype video before that's right <laughs> i forgot about that <laughs> i still have it. it's unbelievable we might have been a little drunk when that happened oh i forgot about that rubes text me she's like hey can you send graham like a little good luck olympics message i'm like well i'm on about a 4-0 right now with steve elkton but sure <laughs> it's a great you video. got it, to you later, but yeah, you you did it. Got it. all right yeah. should we get to the emergency let's nine? do it all right you know all let's about do this. it uh-huh i'm let interested me, to see this first question let me lead this thing okay. off because i think i got a good ender all right movie being made about the life of graham Bullett. you know the deal who you want playing you well originally when you guys first started doing this i thought Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> as, but you know, the bearded one when he, um, won the, or when he what, hit inside what, the bear. Yeah. What movie was that? The I can't rim, remember. The rim, 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 remnant. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. That what so I was thinking yeah. that one cause with the big the beard, bear one. Yeah. But, uh, someone told me once that I look like a googly eyed, ugly Colin Farrell. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's exactly that, that what I have written down. Googly eyed. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I had Hugh Jackman cause he's got the beard and everything. He's a little oh, yeah, better Wolverine. looking and strong. I was going to say, I'm, I'm nice to you. I like mm-hmm. you. Yeah, yeah, that's a hell of a compliment. I had you, when we need like a witch doctor or something for this, I had you Paul Walker. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And he can, can drive. I used to have that fast Yeah, dude, car. you get away from anything with, yeah. him, with him on the on the lead. All right. All right. Number two. I don't know if a lot of people out there know this, but.
but you two actually had a fallback plan if golf didn't work out. It was oh, to be a rap career. That's right. Well, it was mostly Drew's. I was kind of yeah, but you. I was, was going to piggyback. I was going to piggyback that on him. Been my ninth question. He was the, <laughs> oh, well, he was the front member of the band. Okay, yeah. well, let's just skip my question and save it for nine. But I was going to say who was the more talented rapper between the two of you? Oh, Drew by a mile. I think, I think we need He's to do the just do for this story and this group that we had formed up in Canada. So maybe we'll we'll, we'll leave. Let's it we'll nine, get But to that's it. a good. This is okay. Yeah, we perfect. don't do a lot of prep for these shows. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, we don't talk a lot before. This well, we were supposed to talk, but I picked you up from the airport. All right, we have all. All right, we'll do the next one then. Um, which cast member from Trailer Park Boys is most like you? The well, Canadian like I told you, hits. you're you're J Rock. Oh, 100 percent. I don't even know what Trailer Park Boys. 100 percent. You know, you know. I don't even know what Trailer and Park Boys. And he's Randy. Isn't every Canadian knows. <laughs> he's Park Randy, Park? but he's always got a shirt on. But if you took his shirt off, he'd be Randy. <laughs> the Rand yeah, I'm not man. taking my shirt yeah. off. Yeah. I have an image to uphold. Um, I Who most are you, Ricky. I most of the time have a cocktail in my hand. Yeah, Julian. So I'd be Does Julian. Just at all times. And, and kind of muscled up, too. Yeah, and Julian. I love the name Julian because yeah, I respect that guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All okay, right. so I'd be Julian. Fair enough. All right. All right. You got to get on Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, man, never you do. It's all time. All right, number four. We've played a lot of golf together. Still to this day, do you think my ball didn't cross on number five in Houston? Oh, here we go. <laughs> I don't. I honestly don't. Dude, I No, I. This was one of those weird. This was one of those weird. Protect the field. Slash, this guy's one of my best buddies. What do I do in the moment? I have his card. It was not even close. Um, quick hooky didn't cross. Snap hook. But uh, well, first off, so what we got to ask? Well, all I said was, "Hey, y'all think that crossed?" I was just like, oh, my God, is he asking me this? That's awkward. Holy That's shit. awkward. Yeah. It would have been easy to say you know, no to, like, 80% of the guys. Man, I don't no think chance. so. Graham's like, man, I mean, dude, I'll call, honestly, I don't, I don't think it crossed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was he just was, checking. Was, yeah, yeah I thought I'd ask. Tough tee shot, that yeah, one. I hate that hole. I know. Oh, and I'm, I'm a cutter. That wins always off the left, water left. That tee shot's a nightmare. Yeah. Night- so would you just repack it? I don't know. I probably went 50 yards forward. And hit you know what's worse? You could ask Jules about this next time you talk to him. But the 18th hole on that golf course, oh. one year, I can't remember what year it was. I'm like, I'm playing nice. I'm like in 11th, going down the fairway. Oh, yeah. We're coming into the 72nd hole, quick hook. And I'm about to re, I'm like, Jules, throw me a ball. He's like, just chill, man. Let them go. I'm like, oh, yeah, good call. I just, just kind of relax. Right, right. Let me get right here. Okay. Now it's my turn. Click, click. They both hit down the fairway, tee it up quick hook and i don't ever hook the ball I'm like what is going on tee it up again quick hook i'm like oh my god <laughs> i'm just like this is 70 money. second hole 70 and like the yeah like you know like money. the cash register thing and like uh the like eyes cartoons. of oh yeah but it was going the other way and it was like changing from like bills to coins to like mm, nothing to debt and i was like oh my god so then i finally get in in the fairway and like <laughs> jules like sets my bag down and I'm, i can't i can't even control myself and i like drop kick my bag and like my clubs fall out there's people everywhere i'm like making a total mockery of myself so then now i'm embarrassed and i <laughs> i put all the clubs i put them back in i stand it up i'm like jesus christ here we go i knock it on three putt 11 53rd 11 11 oh. we've both had a nice meltdown there <laughs> oh i had it I, that hole's so tough my man. rookie year i birdied the fourth on sunday to take a one-shot lead i remember 41st i hit it in every <laughs> bunker hit it in every shit top another embarrassing moment hit it in I said every bunker, took my lob wedge out, tomahawked it at my back, snaps my driver in, in half <laughs> on the eighth hole. And not, of course, I need I need driver everywhere. 
I was having to hit three wood the whole way around on 18. It said in the wind. I aimed in the middle of the gallery on 18, and I did three wood over there. Just Mitch, get it over the wood. Mitch Knox was caddying for me. I, when the driver's uh, tap, he goes, well, that was fucking stupid. I'm like, yep, we got a any problem. Any other club. It could hit yeah. any other club. I need my dog out here. Yeah. Uh, that's that's awesome. Houston, I hate that place. Okay, I think this is a good story. All right, which performance is more impressive, your 2013 President's Cup or the karaoke performance you witnessed in Japan with Mark Leishman and Michael Sim? Oh, Michael Sim, sweet swinger. Oh, yeah. man, he's sweet so swinger, good. dude. So he was a good. can't miss. Can't he, miss. He, he, I'm sure he is still good. Um, yeah, so we were there for the Four Nations Cup just outside of Tokyo. This was so much fun. It was Canada. Uh, this is an amateur event. Canada, New Zealand, Japan, and who am I missing? Oh, Australia. So I played leash, actually, in the singles. I chunked a uh, like 52-degree wedge on the 18th hole. He beat me by one. I, that still stings, too. I still remember that shot. But <laughs> then we went out. But the best thing about Canadians and Australians is no matter what, we just like to celebrate. You can celebrate a loss. You can celebrate a win. So we all went out together. And, uh, yeah, so we – well, karaoke is pretty big over there. I don't know if you know I've that. I've been told, yeah. So those boys were having fun, and they were – deep and they were uh they were singing and having fun i don't know like i don't know i don't want to throw anyone under the bus but it no was name. a pretty you good don't time have to name a name but there was a <laughs> there, there may have been somebody who actually like farted into the mic and cleared the entire place out beautiful <laughs> a like song while the words are going and just said nah no words <laughs> right? just blew the whole joint up incredible we'll just uh, let everybody out there guess they can google it who knows yeah all right number six tour players spend a lot of time together you know They've been known to mess with each other a little bit. What's the best prank you've ever been involved with on the PGA Tour? Oh, God. Does he just want to tell me the <laughs> yeah, whole story yeah. again? Just, hey, yeah. feed me. How many times? Okay, this is the last time this story even needs to be told. <laughs> but yeah. maybe they haven't heard it. Well, maybe not from my perspective. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> go into the whole thing. Well, I mean, we could be here for a long time. But <laughs> do you want the nuts and bolts? or the... Just give it to him. However no, you want so, well, because so Bryson DeChambeau had just had his amazing run at the Masters when he was uh, an amateur, and he turned pro the next week. Puma signed him, and so um, and so the locker rooms are all alphabetical. So DeChambeau was beside Delette every single week. We're beside each other, and you love it. So, <laughs> so this was the first week though. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Like he's getting there's like boxes of stuff. I'm like, okay, well this is cool. Like, and then Puma's like, Hey, can you tweet out a thing? Welcome him to the family. And it said cap it like Bryson. Cause he wears that cap. So I'm like, Hey, welcome to the family at Bryson DeChambeau hashtag cap it like Bryson. So then, and this is on like Monday. So then it's like Tuesday. Well, even like Monday, I'm like, man, like what's with all these boxes? Like, I mean, like I get clothes from Puma and stuff, but it's like every once in a while. But he's new to the program or whatever. Maybe they're just like filling. So then it was like the next day it was the same thing. I can't open my locker and I'm starting to get kind of mad. I'm like, what is going on? So I start throwing his shit up on top. I'm like, what is going on here? So I tell Cole, I think we played a practice. I'm like, man, this kid, he's like, I know he's a hell of a player, but he's wearing me out with all these boxes. All his fucking gear he's getting. So fast forward now and he's playing nice. And I was like actually playing nice too. We're like in the couple of last groups or whatever something like that on like Saturday. But, um, so I get to my locker. I don't know if it was Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Oh, that's the thing I'm not no, supposed to do. You're fine. Yeah, you're You've right. done great. Um, we'll figure it out. And, uh, the, there's a, one of those, you know, those tartan, like they wear the tartan jacket. So there's one of those tartan Bryson hats in my locker. And there's a little 
yellow sticky tag or sticky note on there and it says on there um two gram or no no it was written on the on the hat yeah two gram best of luck with your career bryson dechambeau i'm like with my career like i know that his career is yeah. way better than mine yeah. now but you just got at here. the time yeah he's been pro for a minute yeah and this is like my fourth year on tour or something i'm like oh my god like now <laughs> i'm losing it and i storm out to the range and were you I was in balls too, or yeah, whatever. I so yep. I get out there and like I'm like, Colt, you wouldn't fucking believe what just happened. <laughs> I went into my locker and this kid, this rookie or whatever, I'm like, he's got this hat and he's signed it. Best of luck in your career, Bryson DeChambeau. I'm like, can you believe that? And he's like, no. And eight miles caddying for him. He's like, dude, that's messed up. So I like go over, I start warming up and it's like, it's still just bugging me. And I'm like playing good. I'm like, I'm in like the second or third to last group on Sunday. I'm like, why did I got to get over this right, right now? So I went over to Colt. I'm like, dude, I think someone's messing with me. And I just see him and like eight mile about to blow up. I'm like, you're fucking messing with me. It's you. And they couldn't, they couldn't uh, stop laughing, but he had a, Bryson like, didn't know about that. Does he know that, that story? Like, no. no, Bryson, like, like, I told him in Vegas. Tears in his eyes. <laughs> Dude, I told oh, Bryson yeah. in Vegas one night and he laughed his ass off. He thought it was hilarious. This Graham storming out of the locker. Yeah, so he, he sent John to the merchandise tent to buy one of those tartan hats and put it in my locker. Bucks. It was a, it was a pretty Who signed good it? You mimicked the signature? I just oh. made it look. I mean, he didn't know what Bryson's signature BD, looked like. Whatever. I'll give him yeah. credit. Out. That was a pretty good one. And uh, yeah, he actually came up to me in Vegas on the yeah. range that day. He's like, or the next day. He's like, he's like, dude, I didn't know know about this story. That's pretty funny. I'm no, like, dude, oh, we're totally cool. Yeah. Trying yeah. to get some more gear set yeah. next week. Yeah, maybe yeah. take care of those boxes next time. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Oh, God, that's a good story. All right, next one. This is perfect since he's in the building. Which Canadian hockey player would you would make a better Prime Minister of Canada, Ray Whitney or Mike Commodore? Ooh. Oh, hey, you haven't seen this. Oh, Check this out. Oh, yes. God. There's the camera. <laughs> Who doesn't vote for that? But by the way, see that? Yeah, show I, that to the cam. He's had this. I've had this shirt now. He wants you to pack your shit. That's a I've good had, campaign wow. slogan. I literally have had this shirt for probably four years when he started doing this during uh, trade the trade deadline or whatever. I'm like, when am I going to wear this? I'm like, I'm, I can't get rid of it because there's going to be an opportunity. And this the, his episode is hilarious, man. Oh my I'd God. heard every single one of those stories, and I was crying laughing in my car when I was I'm, watching The first that. time I ever met him was with you. We played TPC Sawgrass, just the, or uh, TPC Scottsdale, just the three of us. Yeah, what a and he was so quiet. <clears throat> I was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah, now, he's, pretty, he's a pretty reserved Now fellow. look at him. Okay, well. I, yeah, who's running the country? Okay. I could make a case for both guys. I think Ray has the intelligence, the calmness, the demeanor to really... Interesting. <laughs> never <laughs> to really just to get the country behind him. You know what I okay, mean? Yeah, yeah. So if you want that kind of leader, you go with Ray. If you want the don't give a fuck kind of guy and like, Hey, this is what we're doing. If you don't like it, move pack out of Canada, yeah. pack your shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, then, then it's calming. Okay. Both are great choices. <laughs> yeah. You can't mates. miss. All right. Number eight, obviously grew up being a hockey player. If you could get in an old school hockey fight, drop the gloves, Pull the other person's sweater over their head. Any PGA Tour player, who would it be? No boy. I'm going to start a beef right now. Just go ahead and say it. Don't look at me. Yeah, <laughs> why? <laughs> He's not a PGA don't, Tour don't player. Don't look at Sleeve. Neither I've, am I. I've had a couple run-ins with Patrick Reed. It would probably be him. Oh, interesting. I kind of figured that was going to be the answer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're all being honest. Yeah, here. I don't think you're the only one. <laughs> you think you'd take him? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Right. Right. I was wondering if there was going to be a no comment or if you were going to throw it out there. I, I was nah. leaning towards no comment, but um, I like that. That's fair. It's <laughs> fair. All right. Sweater over there. Could get me in trouble. Good luck, know. bud. No, I ain't going to get you in trouble. Graham will be back soon. Watch your back. All right. Last one. <laughs> this is where we get to it. All right. Like Colt teased it a little bit. You were part of an uber talented rap group. Possibly couldn't take it. Could have taken over the music industry. Is that your biggest regret in life? You didn't pursue that music career. And well, let's talk about it, the group. It wasn't. It wasn't even. Like, you quit. You were our lead man. Like I said, I was you like Beyonce. Quit? I just kind of outgrew the group, dude. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, who are these? The Destiny's Child. I have not heard that you were the one that quit. No, I didn't ever quit. Who, so it was you two. Yeah, and we were. The, well, it was mostly YouTube. him. Well, Barrett had a couple. Barrett rhymes was like in a there. producer who made a couple. the beats. That's probably why we didn't make it. Well, I've heard a shit. few of the songs, and I've really been begging a He's lot of amazing. people. I've been begging a lot of people to get me <laughs> they're, the dude, CDs. They're buried. No, they're, gone. they're gone. Don't they're, ever even. And like long. mine were like, I mean, he actually put out like good music. <laughs> yeah, mine were stupid. good music. Give us a little. I know you remember the, some of it. Give well, us a, give us I don't want to throw him under the bus. I can't no, not do the it. bad. Well, no, they're all pretty I, bad. I don't. I honestly don't even know. I've, I've made so many platinum hits, dude. It's <laughs> but, but, dude, do you remember in C4? So you, we got this. This is when you were in your hot streak, when you were debating quitting and then C4, caught fire. That's where you bought happened. the laptop on the way over there, and you're like, dude, this has garage, a thing called GarageBand. Right. We can record songs. But like, holy shit, no way. Dude, we're in Canada. We're going to go to C4. There's nothing to do. We are playing that golf tournament over there, and it was like Thursday or Friday after the round. Typically, you eat lunch. Go hit some balls, maybe practice. I probably shot 74 like I normally do. <laughs> and uh, we're all kind of looking at each other on the putting green like, you want to go make an album? And they're like, yep. And we all just packed <laughs> our shit up and went to our billets house. He was amazing, honestly. Well, you've, have you heard him freestyle? Heard you, should, you should be freestyling on here once in a while. I believe you actually show. one day, you gave me a ride home. This was six, seven years ago. And you actually played me. You had some. It was probably Dre. Uh, Dre, Dre, Dre might have had some. I think I don't have I'm any. Get to He's I don't have any. to like an NDA yeah. and it's punishable by death. If anyone yeah, ever no, it's probably out. Dre because we I don't have any shit. anymore. We're, I wish that I did. We had a Scorpion Queen. That was my Scorpion favorite Queen. One. Yes. <laughs> All, right. All right, the show. This has been great, dude. We love Graham the lot, dude. I wish you the best of luck in your oh, career. Awesome, Graham, you're the best. Thank oh, you so love much. You guys. Thanks, dog. Love you guys. Scorpion Queen. That's erase that shit. All right, well, that was Graham Dillette on this week's Golf Sub Parsley. always fun sitting down with Graham. He's open, he's honest, he likes to get amongst it just like we do. A hundred percent. I'm glad that interview ended when it did. We're treading dangerously close to getting in more in-depth into the bomb squad and our rap group there in Canada, so that thing had to end when it did. But, man, like, what a cool conversation, Colt. Um, you know, Graham's not the first guy to struggle around the greens and with the chipper and things like that, but... I, He's one of the first guys I can remember to really go in depth about it and the way he struggled and what he's doing to like overcome it. He's an op he's an open book about it, which is pretty rare in the golf world when you're struggling with something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he definitely didn't have to be as open with it as he was, but um, you know he chose to be. I, mean, I mentioned Scott Van Pelt picked it up and put it on on his Sports Center episode that night. It's it's cool to see. It's because you know I think a lot of people at home struggle with certain parts of their life, their game, and all this. And here's a guy who's playing golf for a living and, you know, struggles. And it's embarrassing, but he was very, very open about it. But he's always been one of my favorite dudes. We we meant to team up several times in New Orleans. Injuries held us back from doing that. That's something I'm always going to regret not doing throughout my career. But he was also a victim of one of my favorite pranks on the PGA Tour and just an all-around great dude. Uh, I mean, he's the guy that just he, – he's really good at golf. He's incredibly good at golf. But at the end of the day, he's a normal dude that just wants to go down and have a beer and watch some football at the end of the day. 
Yeah, that prank, the prank down there in Harbor Town was incredible. And I, I think another cool thing about Graham is like he's he elevated himself into one of the top players in the world. He's playing on the President's Cup. He's playing in the Olympics and things like that. But I can distinctly remember that time when we were in Canada and he was sitting there debating, like, do I even continue playing golf anymore? Is this it? Is it over? And he crawled all the way from that. And, and in a very quick span, too. A couple, you know, just a handful of months later, his life looked completely different. And that's how close it can be for guys. You can be one minute be thinking about giving the game up, and the next thing you know, fast forward a couple of years, and you're you're representing, you know, the internationals on the President's Cup. Yeah, he's got a great story. Hopefully, he can come back from injury and continue to play some great golf. So, least you uh, you definitely cut into this lead a little bit here this past week um, at the Wells Fargo. I, I think ever since I've been on the road, I've been overanalyzing things. I'm up close and personal with these guys every day. I'm watching them on the range. I see guys hitting balls, uh, um, hit, you know, hitting certain shots. I'm like, oh, I start overthinking things a little bit. And my picks have gone kind of south. I've missed two cuts in a row where you had Victor Hovland last week, who you made up some nice ground with a little tied for third, I believe. Yeah, I've been waiting on I've been waiting on Vicky Boy for a while. This felt like a good golf course to do it, but uh, I've had some misfires in the past too. But yeah, I was just feel like T to green. That dude's so solid. Um, it was nice to see him to actually predict one correctly. So this thing's um, this thing's cozying up a little bit. It's getting a little bit tighter. Producer Mark, where do we stand on the money right now? Yeah, I wouldn't call it snug just yet. More snug. You're getting there. Uh, a significant chunk came out of to the tune of four hundred seventy-seven thousand nine hundred dollars for Mister Hovland. And that cuts your lead to Colt still in the lead with $325,556 up on the sleazy man. That's pretty snug. That's pretty snug in this world. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy when you miss two cuts in a row. I mean, my guy, Max Homo only missed the cut by nine. I mean, I was just, I was right there, but right uh, there. you know, it's all right. He didn't get it done, but I'm looking to bounce back this week. We got the AT&T Byron Nelson championship tournament that's very special to me i'll be on the call here i'm here right now um at the hotel just just down the road from tpc craig ranch we got a new venue so not a whole lot of course history this week for the guys you have the honor sleeves who are you going with yeah because of that because there is no course history here i'm gonna go with a local fella i've been saving him for a bit scotty scheffler he's going off at 33 to 1 so like you said we can't go back and look at past results but i'm sure scotty has played tpc craig ranch a number of times in his day Hits it high, hits it hard. He can cover a lot of these fairway bunkers out there that some of the longer hitters um, can. And when you look at it, when you're when we're going into places that the PGA Tour hasn't been before, I like guys who have at least played it some. Like I compare this to Jason Kokrak at the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek, right? They'd never been there before, but Kokrak has a lot of experience around that place, and uh, it ended up paying off for him. So I'll go with local boy Scotty Scheffler, 33 to one. All right, I'll, I like that pick. Um, should be very dangerous around this place coming off a week off. All right, I'm coming with some heat this week. Um, I think this guy's going to be fired up to play. I, I've been debating whether or not I save him for later on in the year, but I think with strategy-wise, I think this is the time. Coming off a missed cut last week, he's going to be fired up, pissed off, ready to play some good golf. These fairways are big. He likes to send that driver. The greens are very easy to read, and he's a great putter. I think John Rahm picks up a victory this week. There you go. First pick for the Spaniard this year. We've been jockeying and playing chess, figuring out where to use him. I mean, there's no bad week to use John, in my opinion. And you get a you get a pissed off Spaniard, you get a dangerous Spaniard. So, yeah, coming off a missed cut uh, wouldn't shock me at all. I'm still saving him. Don't know where to use him yet. But this might be a week where I got to uh, dodge some bullets. All right. Well, that that's who we're going with this week. Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm. Next week, we got a guy that's going to be a very popular pick come the summer season. He absolutely is one of the most consistent guys on the PGA Tour, one, by far 
the nicest guy I think we've ever sat down with on Golf Subpar. Webb Simpson will be joining us. We shot this thing in Charlotte just down the road from his house, and it was a lot of fun, Slees. Yeah, we typically like to do our due diligence and reach out to some friends, get some funny stories, maybe something a little bit embarrassing. Webb is clean as a whistle. There is not anything you can find there. would have had better luck digging up dirt on Mother Teresa than we would have had getting something on Webb Simpson. Yep, I love it. He is uh, is sneaky funny, too. I think y'all are going to enjoy it. Hope everyone has a great week. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.